Hey, get those dollars out, fellas. It's the top of the hour. Coming up on stage, we've got Black Hoodie Alchemy. Wow, thank you so much. Yeah. You are very welcome. I appreciate it. <laughs> unique, unique New York. Yeah. Unique. Un- <laughs> the human torch was denied a bank loan. A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. The palindrome. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome back to Black Hoodie Alchemy. I'm your host, as always, Anthony Tyler, and I am sitting here with Mr. Justin Otto once yes. again. We live so damn close. Uh, I was going to record this on my own, but he hit me up uh, like an hour before I was going to start and <coughs> figured we'd just roll together here. Right. So um, I got some, I wanted to talk about, like, have a sort of contextual conversation about uh, some of the more high minded terms that I like to toss around. Um, and you just hear everybody from sensible, uh, like, fucking Buddhist speakers to new age full-on cult leaders talk about um, you know things like magic and mysticism and trance states because there's a lot of science to go through and that, that makes it all very practical and makes a lot of sense uh, but there's a lot of it's really really easy to get lost in the weeds so this is going to be for the real heads out there this is uh, <laughs> this is going to be a contextual heady philosophical conversation um, and I definitely smoked a little bit of weed before starting this so I think it's uh, like we're going to be able to stretch our legs a little bit because Justin is, um, what would you, what do you call yourself at this point, Justin? You see, you're very involved with uh, uh, giving talks about Buddhism and leading meditation groups. And do you consider it was like a Buddhist instructor? I'm just a dude that loves the Dharma. Yeah. (laughs) Bro, please, man, follow the Dharma. Bro, please, just follow the Eightfold Path. Stick to the five precepts and you can achieve enlightenment, bro. For real. Um, so, uh, but you are, you're actually, you have a lot of focus on, uh, practically improving your life through what some would consider high-minded philosophical concepts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess I would say that like when you're looking at Buddhism in the scope of monastics versus lay practitioners, I think that there's two different paths. I think that the monastics are really leaning more towards, uh, what we would call enlightenment or nibbana. And I think that for the lay practitioners, it's really more of a a way to achieve uh, eudaimonia or human flourishing, you know? So it's really just a a practical way to live your life. And uh, it's like the oldest recovery program. You know, it's like a 2,600-year-old recovery program, basically. I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something that we can just dive right into here. You have experience with recovery yeah. Um, and so do I to more prescription pharmaceutical extents. Um, and, uh, but you know, as I actually talked about it with Alex in the last episode, it was, uh, like benzodiazepines and antidepressants. So there was, uh, there was, um, a weird detox process involved with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Justin, you've taken, you've, you've had to recover to some even greater extents in the past. And I consider the reason I bring that up, I know you've talked about it before, um, it that's real magic right there like truly um when you are able to take that 
Uh, I've heard many, you know, there's people like, you're familiar with Dr. Gabor Mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. and someone who was a, um, like an addiction, he was like a physician and an addiction counselor, right. um, in the, the streets of Vancouver, um, or worked with the people there. And, and now, long story short, he's doing ayahuasca retreats and shit like that. And, uh, um, really involved with like an activist, um, for addiction therapy and addiction intervention. And people, it's not only a physical detox process, but there's the whole psychological thing. And you don't need drugs to feel that. Um, um, but those things like iboga and ayahuasca, uh, they certainly help. But the, the, the larger point being that there is something at play deep in the psyche that we are able to dig deep right. enough and find well, this, like these recesses of the human well, experience. I think that, you know, uh, psychedelics and meditation are both, uh, doorways to insight, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that med- with meditation, you're obviously looking at a, a more long-term thing, but I think it's more reliable. I think, you know, it's like Ram Dass said, with psychedelics, you can walk in the garden with meditation. You can stay in it forever, you yeah. know, because with psychedelics, you eventually have to leave. Right. But, uh, I, you know, I, I'm still a big advocate for psychedelic use as long as it's, guided and done in a proper manner you know um um i would be interested in hearing your thoughts about i, I mean i just just as an you know little aside i mean i don't currently use anything because of you know the precepts mm-hmm. as far as buddhism is concerned and and the um uh, a fellowship that i am involved with which i will not name but i have named on other podcasts in the past so you know uh because i am involved with you know, all of this Buddhist stuff. And, uh, right. I mean, it's not just for that. I don't really use shit because I don't want to use shit. Right. You know, I don't use things that I don't think are beneficial for me anymore. And I don't want this to be a conversation exclusively about psychedelics or anything, but oh, this is sure. a great starting point, yeah. uh, because it really is like practical magic or practical mysticism. And I want to get into those terms a little bit briefly, but I want to touch at this because. This is the thing that people are stabbing at when they're trying to go through and like actually have, you could call it a spiritual awakening or whatever, but it's that thing that catalyzes inside of you where all of a sudden you are not just, you might even currently be an addict, but something changes and on a tangible level, something that only like 15% are able to achieve through traditional, um, rehabilitation centers and stuff that like that fire inside you where and it, it it doesn't happen overnight but there is a there's a genuine awakening for lack of better term uh, i would be interested in hearing however much detail you want to go into about that because i think that's a highly elusive thing that a lot of people are seeking because even if you're not addicted to chemicals in one way you're, we're all addicted to some things and that's all impeding us and that's that recovery at large is so much of what spirituality is really all about. Right. Uh, well, from, um, I would say that from a Buddhist kind of perspective, uh, first let's talk about the word recovery mm-hmm. because, you know, when we're talking about addiction, we hear this word recovery all the time, but nobody ever really defines in a, a real way what they mean by the word recovery. Like, what are we recovering? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've heard some people say it's, we're recovering who we were before we, they fell prey to addiction or, um, you know, and, and I think it's recovering our ability to pay attention to the present moment without trying to change it in any kind of way. Right. So like addiction is nothing more than the desire to avoid change, fix or control the unbearable present moment. 
And, you know, uh, it's, we're human beings. We're just not, we don't like pain. So we, we reach for things to alleviate pain and give us pleasure. You know, we're, we're pleasure seeking animals. It's just the way we're wired. So, you know, if shit's not going our way, then, you know, we tend to want to medicate anything to make, the, make the pain go away. Right. Cause we don't want to be in pain and the shit works. It does work in the short term, but it, you know, it causes a lot of long-term damage. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is it does work in right. the short term. But like I said, it's like a lot of collateral damage involved with it. What, um, how did like, how did psychedelics help you as a stepping stone, um, in terms of getting a grip on what you felt like you were missing? I mean, that was a, a long time ago. You know, I, I'd say that, I'd say that that happened for me with psychedelics fucking a long, long time ago. And that's why I've always kind of been, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to describe it. I've always been very, very focused on working for myself. Like I've only really taken jobs out of necessity because I don't like participating in society to that extent. <laughs> if we're being really honest, it's just not for me. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, psycho, I don't know. I, I just, there's so many, in so some many- people's eyes, Justin, you've performed this this massive undertaking, this giant magic trick of life where you were able to pull the rabbit back out of the hat from the abyss. Oh, from the, uh, the addiction. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that was tricky. That was without psychedelics actually. That was, Oh yeah. That, okay. Yeah, that was, that was all, uh, <laughs> the five precepts in the FO path, bro. Yeah. I yeah, mean, however all, much you want to get that, into that, that, man, that, cause you, that, you did it, you know, there's yeah, a, yeah, so sure. many people that, try to do that their entire lives yeah yeah absolutely it's it's i mean it's not an easy thing to do if it was easy everybody would be able to fucking do it right Uh, unfortunately it's 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 a hard process and you just have to like i said for me it was just really leaning into the dharma and 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 really absorbing myself in the teachings and just meditation man just going going within and looking for answers you know there's a lot of there was a lot of unresolved trauma that I was dealing with, you know, uh, and I, I, you know, as a I was a childhood cancer survivor. Right. So mm-hmm. like, when I was in the hospital, I would get I was on like a morphine drip like constantly. So I had this predisposition to IV opiates under times of stress. So naturally, later in my life, when I was under extreme stress, it was like, bam, there it is, you know? And like, when I, the first time I did it, I was like, oh shit, there's that feeling again, you know, mm. like, ah, there it is. And yeah, so that, that sucked. But so, you know, I had a lot of like, uh, unresolved trauma issues just from childhood and other stuff and, and, and really like meditation and, and just the applications of, um, Buddhist principles has really helped me, uh, just get my life in line, man. Like, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a feat. I'm not going to say, um, I didn't have help either. You know, I, there's a lot of people that, that have helped me along the way, um, help keep me accountable. You know, just people that are there to pick up the phone when I'm feeling some type of way. A lot of what it is, man, is just having good friends, you know, just having a good community around you and having people you can reach out to. I think that goes so much further than anything else. Yeah, that's uh, that's poignant stuff. Um, I can relate to a lot of that. Um, a lot of that I go into in my book dive manual. Um, and it just, the idea that there's some sort of rock bottom and it doesn't, it's not a clearly definable thing, but you know, you're there when you feel it. And I, you either, I've seen a lot of people give up just there and they just 
they just stay there their entire lives. And, um, I've seen, you know, friends, as I know you have, uh, who are really intelligent. They're, they're, they're philosophical. They might even be spiritual, but they still just stay there. And it's always been a huge draw to me. That's always why I've been interested in this kinds of stuff. Um, whatever terms you want to use, metaphysics, uh, mysticism, right. um, the esoteric, um, because I've always been fascinated and, and somewhat saddened at the fact that there are some people who can understand the fire that has to be stoked within themselves, right. but they just, do they just not do it or do they not have the, I think a the, lot, I think a lot of what it is, um, I think a lot of what it is is people, first of all, think it's impossible. Yeah. You know, and, and I think really that addiction is just a lack of coping mechanisms. It's a lack of healthy coping mechanisms. So we reach for shit that's going to make the, the bad feeling go away momentarily, you know? Yeah. And I think if people could, you know, learn to sit with those emotions and actually experience them rather than try to shove them away, that's how you can get through an, an addiction issue. You have to actually feel the thing. You know, you have to feel the yeah. the pain and the fucking anguish. You can't just keep medicating yourself because then you're not gonna gonna do anything about it. But if you learn what those emotions feel like and learn how to be with them, you know, just and just like you can be here too, you know. Like I think then 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 you can start to to kind of heal a little bit. Then you know when 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 you kind of change the 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 perspective of you know like going from like why is this happening to me to like the the recognition that that shit's happening to everybody like everybody's going yeah. through the human experience you know what i'm saying everybody oh, yeah. experiences birth sickness aging death you know people get shit they want sometimes they lose it sometimes they don't get shit they want you know what i'm saying sometimes they get shit they don't want all these things are you know forms of suffering and then there's you know the suffering of of being resistant to change which call it, which is you know virasanama dukkha and then there's sankara dukkha which is like the the suffering of just not like not things not being the way you want it like almost like existential suffering you know what yeah I'm saying? yeah but most of life is just this added layer of suffering it's like we have the original pain of the thing and then we choose to suffer over it rather than just grieve it you know we a lot of people just look for something to to eradicate it immediately like you know people pick up a drink or they pick up a pill or you know, and we think that if we can just find the right combination of things, we can make all our problems go away, but it just doesn't work that way. We actually have to learn to be with our emotions. We have to learn just to sit with them and just feel them fully. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. You talk about the right combinations of things. That's those combinations and, and recipes. That's a lot of uh, what like magic and alchemy and things are about. And we are really fascinated with trying to find like the, the hacks, the cheat codes. Right. But I, I'm more fascinated with trying to find the, <clears throat> the neural cheat codes without any exterior stimuli. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. how can I make my, like what combination of things do I need to do in my life? What do I need to have in line in order to operate at my highest efficiency rate? Yeah, cause see, from my point of view, Buddhism is very magical. It's very, it's a, it's a very magical way of thinking. Um, it's just a practical, um, stripped down version. It's, it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Right. It's, it's saying, do my actions align with my values? And if they don't, then fucking, I don't know, maybe change the shit you're doing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's, 
like there's there, there's so much of a threshold between like, psychology and magic and therapy like how, and recovery. How many times? How many times have you done some shit that you knew you were going to feel bad about doing later, but you did it anyway, mm-hmm. right? Like just don't do the thing. It, 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 there you go. All that extra suffering that would come from doing the thing that you knew you were going to feel guilty about immediately it doesn't. It just doesn't happen. It ceases to be because there's no origination, right? Yeah. What happens though when that thing becomes your only safety net, but on the surface? I mean, is it real? But is it really your only safety net? Like, I think do, I think in some you, ways it ever, is, but you, you have to have, let go of the concept of the safety do, net, do, right? Do you ever really have less than or like less than like two options? <laughs> Come on. What are those I, two options? I mean, they're going to be different for everybody, right? Yeah, I, I feel really what you give mean. Me a, give yeah. me an answer on that, but to say that like it was my only hope, like Obi Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. Like, right. come on, man. Yeah. Well, good. these are good points because this is. I think if you hold on, I got one more thing. I yeah. think if you're acting in a, in a, you know, from a place of reactivity, you know, if you're just so caught up in the vicissitudes of life that you can't slow down enough to actually see sh- what's really fucking going on then you're a lot more apt to make shitty decisions because you're going to be acting reactively. But if you slow down a little bit to where you can actually kind of like get a handle on what's going on, if you're, you know, you approach it from a more, a more mindful standpoint and really like analyze the situation long enough to fucking come up with at least two options. Cause there's always going to be at least two things you can do in any given situation. If you would slow down long enough to just think of two options, (laughs) then you can get to a point where you can actually respond rather than react. To any given situation. Yeah, very good points because that's exactly what I was getting at. Um, this this threshold between all of this, these different fucking terms that you could throw around, it all starts with altered states of consciousness. Because right. that meditative trance state, that is an altered state of consciousness as well. And that's kind of the fertile soil for anything that comes next. And it's, you know, which, a, which state exactly? Um, the state of. Like some people would call quietude and reflection where you can get into oh, that. The, the sacred pause. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because that's where all mysticism and religious yeah. um, thought and um, yeah. experience starts is right there. Contemplation. Right. And um, we have a, we have a backflow of, uh, of dreams incorporated in that. And that's kind of the threshold of the psychedelic experience. Um, right. And um what you do from there, first off, it's a matter of how you get there, and then it's what you do from there. And Buddhism is, in many ways, uh, like the stripped down, a lot of Eastern practices are. Um, but even they have forms of active meditation, and they go through their own ceremonies yeah, yeah, and mean, rituals. Uh, I think most religious religions have some form of active meditation. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, magic is just, especially... You know, there's there's something like casting a love spell or something, and we could talk, we could debate w- what even that's really going to do all you day. Neuro linguistic programming. Yeah, see, it's, <laughs> it depends on how you slice the pie because there are going to be tr- shades of truth to these things. But first off, it has to do with getting into the trance state. Like, you know, start with some sort of spell. I don't think that there. You know, some people would obviously disagree, but. If you're doing something like casting a love spell, which is not something that either of us do, um, if not, anything, not knowingly, <laughs> yeah, if anything, there is some sort of hypnotic 
suggestion factor. And I do think that if you are able to let your brain slide into these trance states through, you know, people do breathing, people do yoga, people will um, write sigils and light candles and incense and different things. Yeah. And um, and when you get there, your brain becomes it's it's the state. It's the like the neurogenesis, that psychedelic malleability. Right, of yeah. the brain and the active thoughts where you get to that childlike state of neurology where things it's become like, fresh again. I think you just, uh, I think you go in, I think it has a lot to do with, uh, switching to the theta brainwave yeah. pattern. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Which, uh, has to do with, uh, REM sleep and dreams and all that. Right. Yeah. And it, there's a big overlap in that sleep of death where dreams may come. Um, and, and so I think that that, that state of, like neurological malleability, that childlike state of wonder, as a Taoist would put it, right. is what um, a lot of people – that might be the quintessential thing that people are seeking in recovery. Would yeah. you agree with that? Um, I mean, it could be. I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people are just uh, seeking to not be addicted to drugs. Right, but how do you go about stoking that flame? You got to find the, whatever fucking stokes your flame, man. That's going <laughs> to be different for everybody. Right. You know, like for me uh, – like I said, the Dharma really, like, I just leaned into it. You know, I think uh, when in times of crisis, we either run away from our spirituality or we lean into it, you know? And I think if, yeah. you, if you actually lean into spiritual practice and I, I think, you know, whatever religion it is, man, pick one. Uh, you know, this is, I, I think, you know, Buddhism got a bad rap being called a religion in the first place because that's not really what it is. I think it's more of a, you know, a, a clever way to live. It's more of, you know, a, a psychology. It's deep psychology. The Buddha was just a really radical psychologist. Absolutely. Um, see, there's, I'm glad you bring that up because religion is one thing. Um, religion is this sort of group set where you have, um, you have set tenets and there's dogma being like the key proponent there and everyone agrees to this sort of, hive mind thought and there's, it's right. not all bad but i mean it but it is hive mind just yeah. by simple definition and and then we have mysticism which is the idea that um we can achieve that the, the, there's something fundamentally there to uh something like a religious experience but the where it veers is the idea that it's gate kept or by right. priest class and in interpretations of things and that we always have to go to these certain places. And, um, Buddhism, for example, sits in this sort of middle ground. And I think that the, um, that's why, like, I can use. Well, B Buddhism isn't dogma because it's not a system of beliefs. It's a thing. Right. It's like a thing you do. Buddhism is a verb. It's an action. It's an embodied way of living, which is really what Christianity should have been it's what it but, is at its core right it's an embodied way of living mm -hmm. living in a christ-like manner not mm -hmm. pedestalizing christ and worshiping him as a deity right it's the recognition that we are all children of god yeah in that way i feel like uh, christ has become this is gonna be very heretical of me but i think christ has sort of become like the golden calf oh yeah yeah for sure um no, i agree with that i agree with that it's unfortunate it's easy, like uh you know within buddhism there's no it's a non-theistic religion you know we take refuge in the buddha and you know the, the fact that he achieved this awakening and that we can do that too so that's a refuge that we take we take refuge in the dharma and the teachings of the dharma that will lead us to this path of enlightenment 
that's a refuge that we take. We take refuge in the Sangha, which is this word Kalyanamita or wise friends. You know, like I was saying earlier, that's the, the three refuges of Buddhism is, is the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha. So even within Buddhism, he's saying, Hey, find some good fucking people to be around and that'll help you get to enlightenment. Yeah. 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 This, uh, I love how poignant Buddhism is. It, uh, it doesn't, doesn't fuck around with iron will all the time. You know, there's no, there's no metaphorical gavel coming down constantly. It, it's a, it's an observation, a lot like Taoism is. Yeah. It, there's this uh, Pali term, ehipasaka, mm-hmm. and it just means see for yourself. Yeah. And that's what Buddhism is. It's like, hey, just come and see for yourself. Try it. See how it works for you. Yeah. And th- the things that I've done, I've, I've, um, dabbled with meditation quite a bit over the years and oh, you um gotta, you gotta stop dabbling and just <laughs> fucking start doing it. well i mean I, I yeah i do need to just sink in and do it every day a-hipasica. i've been there before but it's yourself. like going to the gym what i said a hipposica see for yourself <laughs> yeah um i'm all about the a dedicated daily practice man like uh like a really regimented like at least 10 minutes in the morning and at least 30 minutes at night yeah yeah yeah, it's a good reminder. Um, something that can get, uh, lost by the wayside as a large undertaking, but it really only needs to be something like 10 minutes a day, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, and, and once you, I think once you start, I mean, you could start at two minutes a day and build up to five and, and then from five go to 10 and then from 10 go to 15, 15 go to 10 and so on and so on and so on until you get to as long as you want. You know, I, I think the longer you can sit, the better, but you're not going to get there fucking overnight. You're not going to sit down for meditation for the first time and sit for two fucking hours. It's not going to work that way. Mm-hmm. Your body's going to freak out mm-hmm. and your mind is going to freak out. Yeah. I mean, and really what we're trying to do is just, you know, just in, in certain types of meditation, like Vipassana meditation, like we're just observing our thoughts. We're observing and noting our thoughts. Yeah. You know, something that I have uh, worked with quite a bit in the past is what I guess you could call something closer to traditional magic. Um you know, I've, I've, um, I've found tarot cards interesting. I don't think that the cards are divine themselves, but again, when we're talking about archetypes and trance states, I think that there's, uh, useful synchronous food for thought there. And, um, I, um, I, I, I've started meditating, but as time went on, um, I, you know, experienced more, more immediate crises and, you know, things that were manifesting themselves in dreams and habits in my life and just that sort of proverbial rock bottom. And I kept, yeah. I was, I was getting stuck in this loop where of this recurring dream and I was trying to work with the dream and I was getting lucid in certain cases and it just, I wasn't able to resolve this thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is something that Jung talked about where recurring dreams represent a continuum of events happening on a scale, like a story right. and how you can look at these as uh, sequential in a way. Mm-hmm. And I started finding no way to resolve the story. So what I did is, um, and the Buddha for me is very much, um, you know, like you could, uh, similar to the archetype of Christ, similar to the archetype of Hermes. And I have a, like a deep affinity for Hermes. I like the whole right. a scribe of the God, the idea well, of he's just the, con- the context. He's like things. a moral exemplar. Yeah. You know, right? And, and it's very, and he's the alchemist. Really. If you look at Buddhism or Christianity at its core, it's the virtue ethics. Yeah. 
and th- that's a lot to do with hermeticism yeah. as well. And and so what I did is um, at a certain point I did three what you would call like ceremonies or rituals um, mm. um, or ceremonies that involved ritual. And it was um, sitting down, you know, like cleansing the space, lighting candles and incense. And um, um, I did that. And for the uh, the divine masculine, the divine feminine and Hermes, the logos, that 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 Christ consciousness, that right. Buddhist energy. And um, and these the reason I picked these is because these are the three irreducible figures in any form. Um, and I think that, you know, what, what, you know, whatever religious school of thought you look at. Mm. So I think that these are quintessential and inarguable and they're parts of their facets of the cosmos, um, the macrocosm, you know, that affect the microcosm and they, they're embedded, you know, the, the positive and negative and the context. Those three, you know, like the Holy Trinity, they're embedded in our very adaptation process. Right. You know, um, and it, and it's not like a, a gender oriented thing. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like the, um, um, but so I, I, I sat down, for instance, <coughs> I sat down, for instance, and I, I, I lit the, you know, some people go through very, very ancient, archaic ways of doing this and they read ancient shit, um, and they go real deep with it. Um, I, I am, um, a proponent of chaos magic in the sense that you do what works for you. And there are certain irreducible complexities to symbolism, uh, archetypes and things that are going to have more of an effect. They're going to have more of a lean in a certain way and have psychological inertia behind something. Um, but, uh, and that's, it's kind of like an adaptational thing, but there's going to be a lot of give. You know, there are a lot of good people who consider themselves LeVay <coughs> atheistic Satanists out there. Yeah. Um, and, and there are a lot of insane Christians out there. And there's, you know, it, it, it <coughs> there's some good Christians out there too, though. Yeah. But point being, just because you choose there's a figurehead. Really good Christians out there. Yeah. But just because you choose a figurehead doesn't mean that you've automatically chosen the right answer. Right. It could be any. Uh, it could be a lot of different. I think ones. anytime you choose the figurehead, you've absolutely chosen the wrong answer. Exactly. The difference between religion and something like mysticism there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, anytime you, you, you put all your, your eggs in one basket, so to speak, I think, yeah, you probably, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not into theism. Well, see, I think, I don't think that if I'm being honest, any of these gods exist on, literal levels right I, I i think that they represent what do you think about azeroth like the like the uh, uh what, what am i thinking what, what was uh i can't why well, can't i think of his name right now what lovecraft yes yeah yes, 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 <laughs> yeah like the fucking sleeping idiot god um yeah. very gnostic yeah, i think yeah, absolutely yeah i i think and, that, but you see that across a lot of different like if you if you really look at religion you see that a lot of like not just gnosticism but like across like a lot of ancient texts. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I think that there's some uh, some relevance to that. I think if we're getting really heady here, because um, that would kind of like you know speak to the 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 hive mind or the the you know that that Christ mind or even just the unified mind, mm-hmm. right? You know, like we are all of one mind, one consciousness. It, you know, there you go. 
Absolutely. There's a massive uh, angle to it. And that's why I like chaos theory so much because it involves the fractal mathematics and the one in the whole. And it, um, I, I do think, you know, there's that old, uh, I can't remember what uh, tradition it comes from. Um, and I'm sure it's not just one, but the idea that we're all in God's dream. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the yeah. same, same, same kind of thing. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We are all the dream of the sleeping giant. Basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that these things exist in the literal ways. I, I, you know, archetypes are the way that we convey principal forces of nature and adaptation. And it's not exclusively just that, but this is how these things uh, intersect with the human experience. And I don't think we have all the answers, but what we can show is that something like the God of war, what it meant on a practical level and what it's meant all throughout history is the embodiment of war itself. If you were to take that essence of war and bottle it up, that's the God of war right there. And, um, people get really bogged down in just power and, and like fanciful ideas and, and just pure fiction. People get bogged down by craving. That, yeah, I mean that is a great way to boil it down. There yeah. is craving for all these different things, whether it's power right. or but, and that's why I've I've brought it up before. I truly respect a person that admits that the reason they've gotten into metaphysical discipline of any kind is because they've been broken at one point. Right. It's not to flaunt power because that's one of the clearest, most obvious red flags. But people fall for it all the time. Right. Um. So for me. The, 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 the essence of Hermes, the archetypal essence is if we're bottling it up, the idea of transmutation, you know, taking the lead and learning to refine it and work and, and, and literally take something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, I think in a lot of ways, what you're all about, yeah. you know, and yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that about you. And, and so I did the hymns. Um, I did, um, I, you know, I, I just did what, would get me into that trance state, the thing that would make me comfortable. Like I said, I cleanse right. the space and all that. And um, I don't even have a pers- set rule of thumb. Some people do the same thing every time. It's whatever I feel I need to get into that space. And when I get there, I've closed my eyes. It, it starts as a meditation. Mm. And and I, I get you get to that state of suspended disbelief, that, that neurological malleability, that trance right. state yeah. where you're just in the void. And you, 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 you let it come and because you can be as skeptical as you like afterward, but you just let the flow come uh, at, at this point. And the, 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 I'll give the story that I, um, I, I put into dive manual. This was the first time that I, uh, that I like, spoke with Hermes essentially, hmm. um, where I, um, after getting into the trance state, I find myself in a situation, not, dissimilar to how we are right now hmm. except it was kind of like a hotel room it kind of reminded me of like interview with the vampire a little oh, bit okay. um and uh thoth comes in you know with the big bird head and everything which is the egyptian yeah, Hermes. Yeah. and um um he sits down across from me and there's some basic rules of thumb that i had always heard like you always clarify who you're speaking with hmm. um and that's why you have to cleanse as well because these things you have to figure out control methods and make sure that you're working with the things you think you're working with. Right. Um, so I asked it if it was Hermes. I, I, I said, are you Thoth? And, uh, it shook its head and it took its bird head off 
and it was just a regular person. He said, just, Carl Jung. He, said, <laughs> he said, just call me Hermes. And I had a full conversation with him and I asked him questions about the things in my dreams and the things that were, you know, I was struggling with. And, um, and it, I found a lot of, uh, you know, useful food for thought and it, he gave me things to look for. And I, I don't think it has to be this, um, you know, it's certainly not like something manifesting in front of you. It's taking a space that you don't have room for in your everyday life psychologically. Right. It, the, the things that are underdeveloped, things that are, you know, the psychic phantom limbs, the, the pain, uh, that's starting to amass because of a lack of, um, attention. Yeah. To well, something. That, yeah. That's what it is. It's, uh, that's why I said earlier, that's what you have to do is sit with that shit. Exactly. You have to be with exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and if it makes it easier to person, have something personify it so that you can work with it easier. Yeah. And that is practical magic right there. That's real magic. Yeah. That's the things that people have been doing for thousands of years and people over mystify it and they turn it into these giant cults. But it really just starts there. I'm not some fucking wizard. Right. I'm just a person that sat down and did basic meditation principles and worked with what some people call like neuro linguistic programming right. and these things. And I got deep to the workbench of my brain and started tinkering with that shit. And that's the same kind of things you've done. Sustained effort over time. Yeah. Pick your path. If it's a proven path and people like if it shows efficacy, you know, which uh, I think, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, I think some mystical traditions have shown pretty good eff- efficacy. I think, you know, Buddhism obviously has shown some pretty good efficacy if it's been around for 2,600 years. Absolutely. People are still doing it. Uh, so pick your path and then stick to it. That's really the s- secret to everything. Start and then keep going. Amen, brother. Um, we're gonna, we're, we're, a li- we're a little late on the break, but we're gonna jump into a quick commercial break here. Uh, this is Black Hoodie Alchemy. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Best you watch where you're stepping, like Claymore Mines, the great Joe Kahn. Y'all the lamest cats and ciphers. You blowing air like rotating fans, the most blatant stands. If the mainstream rapper glorifies a lifestyle, it's fame he's after. Every sentence is toxic, metaphysical locksmith on the beat. This is metaphor glock spit. I don't need letters to talk shit. Only bright lights you gon' see is the red medical cross lit. <laughs> Listen, as we explore the mysteries of the universe, the unknown, high strangeness, consciousness, and our human potential, Lighting the Void is an eclectic program that strives to ignite the late night with stimulating conversations. Join us on The Fringe FM. Musicians experience a lot of frustration with music marketing and promotion. They have no idea how to get their music heard. And they're spending hours sending emails, making phone calls, and hitting up their friends to promote them. With our industry-powered digital marketing platform, we can set up your media plan in minutes. Our team will automatically distribute your music across all the best channels, so you can focus on actually making the music. Submit your music today on our website at mymusicpromoter.com. That's mymusicpromoter.com. 
Thousands of people are having paranormal experiences with ghosts, demons, shadow people, dogmen, Bigfoot, and more. Their stories need to be told, and they are being told. Dark Waters, the renowned storyteller, invites you to join at imdarkwaters.com. For just a few dollars a month, you can listen to some of the most hair-raising and compelling stories on the planet. You'll have access to real-life stories told by Dark Waters, thousands of hours of content. Their encounters are being told and told by the best at imdarkwaters.com. Listen to stories like The Rabbit Man, The Dog Man Encounter in Silas, Alabama, The Man with No Face, The Other Woman, A Day Ahead of the Devil, Dog Man Murder in Hurricane Ida, even a story of someone trying to kill a dogman. Louisiana Water Demon Stories. Sign up today and become a member at imdarkwaters.com. That's imdarkwaters.com. The Natural Born Alchemist Podcast is a podcast that covers topics like alchemy, shamanism, psychedelics, anarchism, and philosophy. Join Alex, that's me, and a multitude of guests on a quest to discover the nature of reality, of spirit, and of consciousness. Each episode will also introduce you to new music that you might never have heard before. You can find the podcast on most platforms. Simply search for Natural Born Alchemist or go directly to naturalbornalchemist.com. There you'll be able to find all the social media links as well. Freedom is in the mind. Um, this is Black Hoodie Alchemy, and we were talking before the break about... Just doing the Lord's work. Yeah, doing the Lord's work, sir. Um, and, like, actual magic and the threshold of something like a mystical altered state of consciousness and something like addiction recovery and... So do you think it's an altered state of consciousness or do you think it's just something that's always available to us and that normally we're just so caught up in the bullshit of life that we fail to see? Well, I think that what you said is accurate. I think that what I mean by like the the most reduced um, definition of being like an altered state of consciousness is that which is a calculated psychological maneuver inward. And it changing the normal status quo of in, your like everyday in the consciousness. Framework of spiritual awakening is that what you're kind of leaning towards? That doesn't have doing? it doesn't have to be exclusively that, but no. yes. Oh, but but along the same line. Absolutely, okay. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, from that context, like, okay, uh, there was a monk. His name was Ajahn Buddha Dasa, mm-hmm. and he put out this pamphlet called Nibbana for Everyone. Because in Buddhism, Nibbana like kind of gets overlooked a lot unless you're a monastic, but. I see, like, there's, and there's a lot of controversy about this. Some people say it's not the same thing, but okay. So, Nibbana and Awakening. It's like, okay, well, that's available all the time. It's not something that we look to attain because it's always there. It's like the water that we are swimming in. You know what I'm saying? Right. I completely agree. Like, okay, so, you know, we're stuck on this wheel of, you know, birth and rebirth and death, you know, otherwise known as samsara, but also around us. We are living in this constant state of nibbana. Mm-hmm. It's all the same thing. And there's nothing to attain. There's nothing to look for because we're already in it. So like when we slow down into those states that we were talking about earlier, we can, we can observe it. 
Yeah. You know, and, and, and he, be with it. Buddha even said that if, that if it wasn't there all the time and if we didn't experience it without knowing it, that we would absolutely just go insane. Like if it wasn't already all, always present, we would just go mad from all the reactivity and bullshit. Yeah. Because we'd always be just fucking rah, just rage. It, and, in many ways, it's like the filters of consciousness because right. you can't process everything all at once. And so when you're going into these mystical states of consciousness, you are unpacking things that have been stuffed down and you're allowing them to flourish in ways that where you can work with it. Yeah. I mean, but then we get into the, we could get into the conversation of, you know, what, what is consciousness, which we, you know, nobody can really answer. Right. Uh, and so this is what I say to the skeptics out there of like someone that's just like a hard line. I roll my eyes when someone brings up the concept of a God. It, it, I believe in gods just kind of as a whole and mythology in the same way that I believe in Bigfoot or something else. Like, I don't know. I don't know if it, um, if, if these things exist in a literal way. And in fact, most of them I think don't. Um, but when you talk about like cryptids and all these different things, but they exist in, in the, the, in the hearts of it, young men. <laughs> they, they're embedded in the human experience. We've seen aliens and angels and gods and have demons we? all throughout. Have, have we? But I mean, that's the thing. Have it, you? Um, in, yeah, I've seen, I've seen some things. I mean, like I'm, not on drugs. Yeah, not on drugs. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's a fair question to ask. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't want to lose my train of thought here, but yeah, I mean, I've seen weird shit completely sober. I've seen some strange things that can only be classified as. I've, UFOs. I've definitely seen some UFO activity, right? For sure, for sure, seen that. Um, and I've had dreams like, that you cryptids, can't explain. Not, not so much. I've never seen like. I'm uh, no. I've never uh, seen any you know, cryptids. Bigfoot or uh, no. the, same, the skunk ape down here. No, that's what we've got the skunk ape. <laughs> <laughs> right. No. That's a that's a good clarification. I've never seen anything like that. I um, wish I could. Oh God, I want to see a Bigfoot so bad. Uh, that would just be so life changing. I don't even want to tell anybody about it. I just want to see it for myself. <laughs> a hypossica. I want to a hypossica a Bigfoot. I like to think that Bigfoot, because there are traditions that uh, hey, adhere have, to this, that he's etymo- a spirit of the woods. Uh, I have an etymology question. So, like, what, if we're talking about, uh, like, multiple Bigfoot, do, would we say Bigfoots or would we say uh, Big Feet? <laughs> <laughs> I go with Sasquatch in that case. Many The many Sasquatch. Oh, okay, Sasquatch okay. is like so moose. Like, like deer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, gotcha. <laughs> but, no, to just to finish the point so it's not a cliffhanger – I think that all of these things exist in ways where they affect our, our ways of thinking and the stories that we tell and the emotions that we express through these stories in the same way that people have used mythology to um, convey stories of adaptation, you know, and right. in the, in the mimetic, in the actual brass tacks evolutionary spectrum, uh, when we were, start, when humans started being able to categorize and exchange symbols mm. it became like a psychological genome mm. and it allowed us to replicate and and like expand our um adaptational processes in ways that would skip like hundreds and hundreds of years if not thousands yeah yeah i mean yeah i i agree with that i agree with that i i think at the heart of everything is just a lot of conditioning what um, of course i mean symbols are square one for conditioning too but that's why that's why they're sacred as well because their symbols are kind of the heart of the threshold you know a symbol is worth 
Um, a picture is worth a thousand words, but a symbol is worth a thousand pictures. Ooh, that's a good one. It's true though. And I mean, I, so I don't once, think I've ever heard that one. Once you have a symbol, it conveys so much at once. And then you add that with well, another yeah, symbol. I mean, that's when you get in like the world of the forms, you know, and you start, right. to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You start a, getting yeah, into you platonics get into, and yeah, things. Yeah. Um, but so, so <laughs> in a, a way, Bigfoot exists there, yeah. you know, in that platonic ideal, these, uh, you know, the, the questions of are we alone out there have have always lurked in the recesses of the human psyche right. so so the and and we have to learn to work with these things on what level is basically anybody's guess at this point you know how real are the are there aliens flying around in ships visiting us is bigfoot really in the woods is god I, I, any I, sort of tangible actual thing i think if you want to live your best life you pick your own level of participation I think that's a great point to make. You know, because you, there has want, to be some level of suspended Bigfoot, disbelief. If you want to believe in Bigfoot and just, yeah, keep that fucking disbelief, you know, like suspend that disbelief and be like, no, nah, I think there could be a fucking Bigfoot. By God, do it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, cause I think that it's important to be skeptical of even your own ideas at all times. Oh, no, 100%. But, yeah. Yeah. But it's also sure. good to have beliefs. You no, know, things no, that no, we no. don't know oh, no, the no. answer to, oh, but no, we believe. No. But beliefs will get you in trouble. Right, but that's why beliefs you maintain you, that balance. Beliefs will get you in trouble every time. That's like part of the spirit. Not all the time, not every time. There are adaptations in many cases. So, that's like yeah, part that's, of the spiritual. Yeah, that's true. I'm not going to say all the time, but uh, a good chunk of the time. Right, Your beliefs for sure. will definitely get you into more trouble than they are worth. And that's sort of like. Suspend all belief. Suspend all be- No, you can't suspend all belief. Belief is part of the adaptation mechanism. So it allows us to, it's sort of that, that God of the gaps mentality. I only believe what I have observed. You know. You're right. You, have you heard the term the God of the gaps? Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's an interesting idea of just metaphysics of the gaps that we have these symbols and these explanations for things that seem we can see results of, but we can't understand the processes of. And so we have these sort of place markers, right. whether they be demons or gods or angels or fucking Bigfoot. Even. Yeah, we need something to convey the idea. Exactly. So yeah, it could just, just... It's just a marker. We attach our own meaning to everything. You know. Like, yes. Like, and so that's why I believe in something as, as dumb as Bigfoot. I believe in it in that sense. Like, this is just a That's light. why magic is like, real regardless like, if you're a skeptic Like, this or is not. just a lighter to me, right? But for you, this could have some sort of significance. Like, oh, well, my friend gave me that lighter right before he got into a car accident. Or, you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a pretty extreme example. But we attach our own meaning to, to the object. The object right. is just the object. The rest of it is all just what we've been conditioned to attach to it from whatever causation you know whatever whatever the causation was that caused the origination of that that projection yeah of that mental projection this is another interesting point i think or something that i've always been interested in is yes all this all this conversation is very useful and we've tried to make it as practical as possible but there is the classic trope of someone over philosophizing and then just feeding into their neurotic ocd sort of tendencies and and then not, and then getting lost in the weeds. And, you know, I've seen people, they get into something like magic and then they're doing a ritual. They're looking up astrological charts and they're doing ritual and ceremony before they make any decision in their life. And it's like, is that progress? Is it? I mean, maybe in some cases, but in a practical sense, it doesn't seem like it. It seems like a lot of extra steps. I mean, maybe, and maybe it's just not progress yet. 
I think anything is just, like I said earlier, sustained effort over time. Yes, but it has to be in some sort of disciplined way. I think, yeah, I think you can get ahead of yourself for sure. Well, you can just spoon feed yourself complete delusion if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most people do that. Yeah. I think, I think, and I think a lot of people do that because of their beliefs. Well, how, how do you make sure that you're not doing that? Because that's a, a time, that's a, like an age-old question. That's a tough question. I mean, uh, and again, I think it's going to be just different for everybody. But um, you have to be cognizant that that question needs to be asked at all times. Yeah. That's a big point, I think. Yeah. Because anybody can get lost in the weeds in this shit. Yeah. And it's it, you can get to a point real easy where um, it starts overcomplicating your life so much that you've lost touch with the regular everyday things around you, your your healthy everyday relationships, and you just become this, uh, you know, and that's the fine line because there's something alluring and healthy about someone who just kind of settles into themselves and comes a little, little hermetic in a way, but... Um, you don't want to be that guy stuck or that person stuck in the cabin in the woods, like proverbially and just like a fucking Ted Kaczynski style. Right. No, of course you don't want to be that. But I mean, that's like where some people will take it. And it's, it's, and it doesn't have to be that extreme, but you see shades of that all the time. And it's just, I don't know. Like that, that's the threshold I, for pe- cult activity people, and all this people stuff. People could say the same thing about me, honestly, you know? Except for the fact that you, like I said, callback, <laughs> um, you pulled the rabbit out of the hat, man. You have like some sort of tangible proof that what you're doing is working right. on a transcendental level, if you will. Right, right. And I, yeah, I think that's really what it is, is like you have to look at it from a very scientific standpoint and say, is what I'm doing producing results? Yeah. And yeah, this is all and a say, scientific and experiment. Say, okay. Is it, if it's not producing results, then you're either doing the wrong thing or just you haven't been doing it long enough. Yes. You know. See, we're really getting somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah. This is how you and I, we're, we're not anybody special, but we've, we've gone to the workbench of our psyches and we've tried to work with things and it's still always in progress. Well, it's just like I said but earlier. We're working with it. It's just like I said earlier. Do my actions align with my values? What, what's meaningful to you? You know, sit down and write that down on a piece of paper. Like, what do you value? For me, I value my time. I value my time over most everything else, because time is the only thing I can't get any more of. I, I value um, my spiritual practice. And, and there's a lot of stuff that falls under the blanket of spiritual practice. When you really look at, you know, the tenets of Buddhism, if you look at the eightfold path and then, you know, the four noble truths and, you know, and just keep digging and digging and digging and the five precepts, you know, cause I'm a, a lay practitioner. So I've only taken the five precepts, but so many things are under the blanket of that, you know, like with the five precepts, it's, it's not doing harm to any living thing. It's, it's not saying any slanderous speech. It's, it's no sexual misconduct. It's not taking any intoxicating substances. It's not, um, you know, I missed one, but it doesn't matter. The, the point is you just pick something and stick to it and just see if it produces results and, and do it for a while. Like give it time. That's the biggest thing is like people give up on shit so fast. Like, oh, I started meditating like last week and it's not fucking doing anything for me. <laughs> it's like, yeah, probably not yet. Yeah. You know, you got to stay fucking, you got to sit on a lot of bulls before you can stay on it for eight seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to get be good at it at first. It, it's, you got to, fa- you got to fail forward. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm all about individuality and 
just shucking the system, but you also, and, oh, and there no, are a lot of people around not you taking, who, not taking what's freely given. That's the one I left out. I don't know why that diluted me at the moment. Got you. Got you. Or not, what not taking what's not freely given. Got freely, you. Yeah. Um, and that can mean time too. Not just like physical things, but yeah, time, people's attention. Um, damn, I can't remember what I was going to say there. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> I think, I think we'll survive. Um, but, but yeah, just pick, pick something and, and do it and pick something that, pick something that already has a high efficacy rate. You know what I'm saying? Don't try to like just make people have already done the work for you. You know what I'm saying? Like there is plenty of shit that will get your life straight. If you're really trying to, to do some sort of alchemical magic on your life and, and, and change it in a positive way. Do some shit that people have already done that has changed theirs in a positive way. It's not rocket science. It's really pretty simple. Yeah. Um, I remember what I was going to say as well, because okay. it lends into that. Um, and it's just the, the simple reminder that I think that individual, <clears throat> I think individuality and your own path is very important. But, uh, and some people around you can be toxic, but you have to like keep in mind the people around you because they do. I don't know. I, I, I think a lot of times oh, no. you just see that constantly on the cult path. Oh, no, definitely. You, <clears throat> you know, people start to get weirder. And then all you need to feed them is that one line where like, people just aren't going to understand you. So just lean into it. And then people are gone. And you don't need a cult leader for that mindset. You can be that person all for yourself. And then you just start to fall away from all the regular healthy ties around you. Because even if you are a magical, esoteric, metaphysical person, um, if you're losing your connection to the actual life that you're living, I think that that is a major issue. Unless there's the, there's, cause there's rules to every exception. If you are a genuine monk and you're just going to live your life in asceticism, then right. I think that that full commitment, you know, go with that. But you can't do that in I everyday guess. life. I mean, no, no, you can't. You know, then you're that's, insane that's, and you're like torturing yourself and it's masochistic at that point. It's I mean, just not, unhealthy. Not, not really. I mean, it, it just depends on the person. But being like straight cabin in the woods person in I mean, modern society, like in the heart of a city, that can't be healthy. No, it's certainly not healthy, which, you know, lends itself to what we were talking about earlier when I was talking about Kalyana Mita, you know, these wise friends. You want to have right, a group exactly. of people, you know, like in Buddhism, we call it a Sangha. You know, I think it's the same term for a. Uh, you know, uh, yoga people, or I don't do uh, a lot of yoga. I do it occasionally, but I'm not, ver I'm not a yoga teacher by any means, you know. Mm -hmm. So I don't know all the Sanskrit terminology. I'm a poly Sanskrit guy. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, man, friends are important. I mean, you, it's, a, I think you have to have balance. Like, you know, and like the way I've kind of structured my life is around these like five things, right? So I want to have, uh, I, you know, I want to have, uh, nutrition. I want to have uh, exercise, right? I want to have meaningful friends and meaningful conversations. I want to have, you know, positive experiences in my life. And I want to have a good spiritual practice. And if I stick to those five things, man, everything just kind of falls in place. It kind of does it. It kind of just builds on itself. Well said. Well, I mean, genuinely. Take yeah. care of yourself, you know, eat right, exercise, hang out with good people, not shit bags, you know, hang out and with good people and, and do good shit, you know, do shit that's worthy of merit, you know, just try to make the world a better place. And, uh, and as corny as it sounds like you have to have some faith in yourself and you have to actually believe in yourself. Oh, even, yeah. even if you well, don't believe in yourself, allow yourself 
that adaptation mechanism no, you, of the suspended I don't think you, disbelief. I don't think you really ha- even have to believe in yourself. I think you just have to not not believe in yourself. Yeah. How Buddhist of you. I agree, though. Yeah, I like that. I think if you do a thing, if it's a positive thing, positive things will come from it. That's pure karma in action, you know. Uh, but I think if you do negative shit, negative shit's going to come from it. Because that's just the way it works, right? Absolutely. So I, I think if you just do the thing and do it repetitively, it will pay off, whatever it is. Whatever you're, and do it, you want from a very Buddhist thing is like do it without the, the goal in mind. Like do it for the goal, but do it just to do it. You know, like have fun doing the thing. It's the journey, not the destination, pretty much, you know. But yeah, just pick, you know, like I said, just that's what works for me, man. Those five things, you know what I'm saying? Like just uh, eat right, exercise, good friends, meaningful life experiences, and fucking spirituality. That's it. Yeah, it's uh, take care of yourself and take care of other people and the rest will work itself out. See, it's why I want to have conversations like this and a podcast like this, because it's just having these conversations and getting it out there. It, it Those things are they they should be a lot more. They're practical. And I don't understand how, how so few people sometimes seem to think about spirituality in you know, they, they take something very practical and they blow it out of the water really fast. Yeah. And, and then you get into either just a full blown skeptic or someone that's deeply yeah. entrenched in total nonsense. Right. And it's so hard to bl- uh, blow it in either direction. But if you can just keep it grassroots and you keep it, well, you know, you- even, even in like in the, even though Buddhism is non theistic and we don't really talk about the afterlife. Uh, at all you know there we have the there's the idea of rebirth you know um but even that i i kind of shy away from i kind of shy away from the idea of rebirth not that i don't believe in rebirth but i don't concern myself with it just like i don't concern myself with um karma over lifetimes i you know because as long as i'm putting out good karma right now as long as i'm doing good action right now that's all you could do either way then the next lifetime if there is you know interlife karma then i'll be okay so I don't really concern myself with that either, just by living a noble life, right? Hell yeah. Um, what I do concern myself with is right now. And that's all I'm ever concerned with is right now. Like, what's going on in my life right now? Like, that's it. That's it. That's all I've got. Right now is all I've got. Past is gone. Future never comes. It's always right now. So I want to know how I can be at ease and at peace Right now. I think that's a huge takeaway as well. Is that if all this stuff isn't helping you improve in the present moment and your focus on the now and I mean, and that's not to say I don't have off moments. I still sure, have no, moments where I, I have, you know, fucking crippling depression. But what used to last, like as far as like terms of like depression and, and whatnot are concerned, what used to last like weeks or months or even years in some case, now lasts like a few hours. You know. And it's because um, our, our thoughts are our enemy, <laughs> for the most part. Amen to that. They'll get you every time. Yeah. Um, that, that Honestly, genuinely beautiful stuff. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I just, it, it kills me when people take things uh, and, I don't know. Like it, people can it, obsess over anything. 
Yeah, and you see fucking you just see viral spiritual videos on TikTok, and yeah, but like, you see viral all kinds of videos on TikTok. People will obsess over anything, whatever they can to distract them from whatever they're feeling at that moment. Yeah, yeah, you know that's all it is. It's and, a, it's a it's it's a it's that part of us that unloved part of us looking for some just grasping for something. Yeah, and I'm not a guy saying like, oh, those like videos on TikTok or whatever. I wish I had those views. It's yeah, just, for sure. It 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 muddies the waters so much. I mean, uh, but I mean, it's really nothing new. And then on the other spectrum, you people have people want attention, man. Yeah, it's true. People want attention. And people I'll- want to feel loved. You know, there's only two things that exist in this world: that that which is loved, and that which is longing for love. And that that TikTok like stuff that's just that longing for love part of people going please see me please yeah. see me um and the people that you and i get sandwiched between all the time is either new age or just like snub-nosed occultists that's oh, yeah. like walking around in robes and and you find both of those in the mainstream you know you go to the new age bookshelf and you'll find in a barnes and noble and you'll find both of those kinds of people um, and both of those are just so far on, so far into the extremes of the kind of, of the kinds of things that we talk about. Uh, but yeah. they use the same kind of lingo. They ask the same kinds of questions and, and those same people are like Teal Swan, you know? Well, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, make it a part of your life, but don't make it your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Like live by these principles, but don't obsess over it. I think when we obsess over anything, it it can lead us, you know, down a dark path. Agreed. That narrow focus, you know, because we're not seeing fully. We don't have this full view. You know, I think I think all these areas need to be addressed. Yeah. Well, we've talked about a lot of different stuff in this episode, but I wanted to just try and uncover as best as we could um, the idea behind just what I like to call the mystical experience, you know, whatever you call it, that, that transcendental altered state of consciousness that gets okay. you to the state yeah. where we've been trying to describe this whole episode. Right. Right. And the, I think, um, you know, I can, I can say from uh, past psychedelic experiences that I've, uh, you know, definitely achieved some mystical states. I've done some very large doses of psychedelics in the past, you know, some, uh, very, uh, heavy, what uh, McKenna would call heroic doses yeah. of, of psilocybin and, uh, you know, uh, DMT a handful of times and had some interesting experiences on that. Um, but those same states can be achieved through meditation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and, and if we look at ancient art, we see that, you know, because I think a lot of the things that I've personally experienced in, in, uh, certain, um, psychedelic states, uh, are the same things that I see depicted in art that's thousands of years old from Eastern religions. See, and the proof is in the practice. You take the psychedelic and find out for yourself. You do the meditation, find out for yourself or right. the magic. Yeah. And that's it there. That's alchemy. That's alchemy as adaptation. And Well, yeah. I mean, the only way you can really know something is by experiencing it yourself. Even the, the Buddha was like, don't believe anything you hear unless, you know, you've seen it for yourself. He's like, don't even believe my bullshit. Right. You know? And I love that mentality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you know, the Buddha. Don't believe He's, our yeah. bullshit either. Right. Right. Go see for yourself. Exactly. Hipposica. Exactly. And we yeah. are not, we are not the, the paths to follow. We're just two dudes 
talking about shit that we've experienced. I just and, know what worked for me. Yeah, exactly. I can only exactly. speak of my own experience, you know? And, uh, yeah, if anyone's trying to sell you on something that is a 100% blueprint, then you need to walk in the other direction. If anybody says they have all the answers, run the fuck away. Absolutely. If any person or organization comes to you and says they have all the answers, fucking run. But e- even if you're a skeptic, I, I, what I want to do, uh, um, for the, and that's why Buddhism, like Buddhists don't proselytize. <laughs> There's not a lot of like, Hey, if you, uh, we'd like to talk to you today. Have you heard the bad news? Like, you know, in life, there's this level of suffering that's always pre- prevalent. It's like, <laughs> you know, we don't do that, you know. Um, but I and thank God you don't either. Um, but even for a skeptic, um, I wanted to lay out with this episode that, you know, you can slice this pie different ways. But like I said, the proof is in the practice. It it's is in the concept. And all yeah. you got to do is just see for yourself. And it might not shake down exactly how you think it will. But that's not to say that there's nothing there. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I, hopefully this episode will sort of be a, like I said, a contextual building block. Cause I'm going to talk about, you know, we're going to keep going down cult rabbit holes and talk about different metaphysical principles. And it all thing. stems with this right here. I got, I got one thing to say. I think if you're on any sort of path and uh, towards self improvement or, uh, you know, first of all, make sure that it's not a cult. Um, yes. you don't want to be kidnapped and you know sold into some sort of underground sex ring or anything like that. That would be horrendous. <laughs> um, but yeah, just keep going, just keep going and see where it takes you. You know, like really just, uh, just put it to the test. Just give it time. I think that's the biggest thing is just give it time. Cause a lot of times people get discouraged. So like uh, one thing that really helps with that is, is, uh, you know, we have this negativity bias. I think we talked about this uh, maybe on the last podcast. You know, we only process one positive memory for every like nine negative memories. Right. You know, and it takes 12 seconds to process a positive memory and three seconds to process a, and store a, a, a negative memory. So we have this horrendous negativity bias because, you know, when we were evolving as, as humans, you know, we were living in amongst nature. And so we had to be vigilant. We were constantly looking for threats. But now we're not really looking for so many threats because we live in a modern society, but we're still operating with 95% of this primate brain, you know, so we're always on the, on the lookout for threats. So like, if you're having a positive experience, like, like sit with it, man, like savor that shit. You know, Rick Hansen talked about that, like savor the experience and then give yourself credit for how far you've come already. You know, if you've made any progress, if you've made any discernible progress, give yourself some credit. And if you don't think you have, Ask the people around you because they'll give you their honest opinion. Probably. Fuck. Yeah. Um, and thank you for everybody listening for our, uh, participating in this little mystical ceremony we've had here. <laughs> this little box of, uh, altered state of consciousness. Um, this, I mean, this is, this is what it's all about for me. Uh, you know, you could do it as a podcast. You could do it as art. Um, I do it in a lot of different ways, getting to, that sort of state of consciousness, but, um, I feel like I, um, I touched a little bit of it here, you know, uh, just getting into that state where, uh, you're able to access and animate things that, um, like I said, aren't accessed in the mundane, you know, uh, principles and, um, facets of your life. Yeah. It's funny when you slow down and have a conversation, you start seeing things clearly. <laughs> well said, well said. Yeah. Um, so, Trying to think of anything else. Um, yeah, I got, um, I got some 
creepy shit coming your way next. I'm not sure if this will be the next next episode, but I've had boiling in my brain for now an episode about um, schizophrenic serial killers that killed for God. You should have Dan Aykroyd on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't have Dan Aykroyd, so maybe I'll have you I on. Don't, I don't know why you should have Dan Aykroyd. Well, he'd be great. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah I think, you know, he'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> you can't go wrong with Dan Aykroyd. That's for sure. He'll start talking about crystal skulls and yeah, yeah. all sorts like of shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not easy being a dark terrorist. <laughs> I guess that was the, the most unenjoyable part of that show for me, was just him doing that over and over and over again, him saying that phrase. He said it, yeah. Dark terrorism. Way too like, much. Oh Fun show, though. Yeah, it, like it, it that really detracted from the rest of the show for me. It, really, it could be it a really drinking did. game. It's every I, time he says I "dark tourist," you get shit faced. I don't drink. You yeah. would too. You yeah. get fucking wasted. And you go. That's the first black hoodie alchemy drinking game for anybody. Watch dark tourists and get absolutely plastered. Probably don't do. Send that. in an email about your experience playing that drinking game and let, let us know how drunk you got because. You're for sure going to get wasted because he says it no less than a hundred <laughs> times throughout like six episodes. Hey, if you actually do that, I'll send you like some free merch. Hey, or would, something. Some, would somebody like <laughs> play the drinking game and somebody just just count how many times he says it? I just want to know. So, like, if, you, if you're willing to to sit and watch Dark Tourist and count how many times he says either the words Dark Tourist or Dark Tourism, <laughs> we'll we'll have a a special prize from uh, Anthony and myself. I'll throw something into. All right, and that's a guaranteed. It's yeah. so a black hoodie alchemy promise right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, in the long run, I hope that someone just had some sort of practical takeaway because this stuff can get super lost in the weeds. But if you just, if you work with these things a little bit and you take it bit by bit and you use control methods to make sure you're not flying off the deep end, this is alchemy. This is the, the, the pursuit of the elixir. You know, this is the hero's journey. No mud, no lotus, man. <laughs> no, that's it for now. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Um, I am Anthony Tyler. I've been sitting with Justin Otto, host of Dharma Junkie Podcast. So go check out his action. Dive manual, hunt manual. You know the word. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, check out uh, dharmajunkiepodcast.com and go to gulfcoastdharma.org to get information about the uh, meditation group that I facilitate here in Pensacola and, and donate because – we are looking for funds. We're trying to eventually open a center down here. So anyway, thanks for having me. Yep. Safe travels, Justin, and safe travels to you listeners out there on the hero's journey. Take it easy. See you next time. Right to the roots. When we congregating groups, they want to call police. But when police abuse the youth, no one be stopping. He be concentrate on rooted problems. Contemplate relief. So we blaze the leaves, pave the maze, avoid their cheese. Separate their systems from our seeds and save the trees. The problem's bigger than you and me. Look at the core factors. Look at the law chapters. History we stand with. Our land was founded by bandits. Same in sounds of revolution. Hitting anvils. Emancipate them. My struggle's my doctor. I've adopted patience. I get sick from quitting. Not sick of waiting. I'm waiting. In the ring with gloves laced. Fighting for freedom. This I love taste. I take it on and stride. Sometimes it's like I'm marching by myself while everyone is inside. I can't see the forest for the trees. Send a toilet on your knees Praying the dollar signs But can't get the earth when she breathes From the depths of the roots To the canopies of thieves With sun's energies And trapped through photosynthesis My words split the seeds Spawn life through the saplings All you do is harm life through your rapping Mechanical medicine man with lights flashing Your time's up Now the titans are clashing Splashing can
Can't see the ocean for the waves. Can't see the chains. Can't see the change. They blind slaves. They mind slaves. Victims of the mental holocaust. No expression. How they showering with molotovs. Fire brains. These kittens can't pull the lion's mane. Can't see my world unless you're looking through these eyes of pain. Can't see the soul for the flesh, blood, and bones. Can't see the crowns cause we the kings with no thrones.